Thank you for joining us in the copy room, where you get to listen in on thoughtful, vulnerable, and honest conversations among educators who are as fiercely devoted to this profession as you are. My aim is to serve you well, nourishing your teacher's soul so that you can move through your week with just a bit more to offer our kids than you had before you listened. You're working so hard to take care of our kids. My intention for this podcast, ultimately, is to take care of you. I want to thank Dirt Path Publishing, a small independent publishing house dedicated to publishing works for social good, for continuing to support the production of this podcast. With editing and coaching services for writers, these folks know how to have the hard conversations in service to your best work, and they know how to do it with love. Dirt Path Publishing is also proud to announce the release of my new book, Nothing's Missing, A Year of Reckoning, Release, and Remembering Who I Am, written for anyone struggling to release the burdens of perfectionism and the tyranny of shoulds. For more information, go to NicoleLuciani.com. In the meantime, and always, welcome to the copy room. Julie and I met when we were in eighth grade at our high school, which at that time included eighth graders. We ran in different circles and had different interests, but we came together in the 11th grade under the tutelage of Mike Matthews, who you met in episode three. We were both inspired and prepared for college in this and his AP government class the following year. Julie went to Cal, I went to St. Mary's, and then several years later, we met back again at the San Lorenzo High School cafeteria, where teachers new to the district were gathered for our first day orientation. Although I started teaching at San Lorenzo, I left for three years to teach somewhere else in the Bay Area before returning, the same year Julie decided to move back to San Lorenzo to continue her teaching career, which had also started some years before. We had come back home, in many ways, to pay it forward. Some years later, Julie went on to become an assistant principal and then a principal at another Bay Area school, and Brianna joined our staff. I didn't remember her as a young person, but I was told in no uncertain terms she's a real San Lorenzo kid, just like you. Like me, she told anyone who would listen that's exactly who she was. Loyalty to our school, a place that propelled us forward in ways that we could not have imagined, was one of many things Brianna and I had in common. When it came time to record this season, I knew I wanted to ask Brianna to be a guest with one of the teachers who had inspired her to be a teacher. What a gift to me to find out that Brianna's first choice was my old friend Julie. The episode was a bit like Old Home Week, and also a time for me to learn more about my pals. This is one of the many reasons why I love this podcast so much. People I love and respect sharing themselves vulnerably and authentically in service to creating a place of rest for our teacher souls to be seen and understood. This is the best thing I've ever done. Julie and Brianna belong to one another, then and now, just as they do to me and you to all of us, because we always belong to one another. If for no other reason, then we know for sure that there's no such thing as other people's children. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to some of the other episodes, but um, it's just been such a gift to me to be able to have these conversations with people I care about and respect. And um, if nothing else, it's giving me the opportunity to make sure that people know I love and respect them um, because I'm not going to have anybody on here who I don't believe serves for the similar reasons that I serve, you know, and I think you both are amazing. And I'm so grateful that um, I'm so grateful that you're here. <laughs> so welcome to Julie and Brianna, a little backstory. Julie and I went to high school together. Um, at the beginning of season two, the listeners met Mike Matthews because he was my teacher who I follow in the footsteps of and I know Julie, you probably feel the same. Very much so. Um, and so Julie and I were a part of the very first AP classes at San Lorenzo High School. I don't, I think you probably, um, 
had a different entrance into that program, Julie. I, I mean, basically, like literally, Mike pulled me from my backpack into the room to sit me down and, and um, fill out that application. Um, and and I would guess just in maybe this is perception, you know, but I would guess that this was something that you were longing for was was a, a class for rigor. Yes. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. As soon as I found out, I'm like, count me in. <laughs> Yeah, 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 um, and then and then we went our separate ways, and somehow we ended up back at San Lorenzo at the same time. For a few years, we crossed over, and in that mix, little Brianna came <laughs> through San Lorenzo High School, and um, and then now she's at San Lorenzo High School teaching. So this is such a um, you know you that that I don't know what it's called, but that story where you throw the rock in the in the pond and the ripples echo out you know i feel like we're having a little bit of that moment right now it's sure. so beautiful um so uh i as i said before we started recording i have a million questions um i'm going to try to stay focused and uh, and have us just start with a little backstory and and julie let's start with you um thinking back to your education you're growing up we grew up in similar neighborhoods and um uh, but we had a different familial experience, certainly, and culturally different experience. And so I always wonder what I didn't know about the people I went to high school with, you know, and, and what's the backstory there? What was your experience in school? What made you want to be a teacher? Take us take us back through that a little bit. Sure. So I am very blessed to be the daughter of Peruvian immigrants. My parents, um, my dad came here as a teenager and went to high school here, but my mom came over to marry my father and before oh. that she had worked in retail but had always aspired to be a teacher so when oh. she was able to be a stay-at-home mom which was when i was small very small mm -hmm. um she taught me how to read and write so because she was oh. to be a teacher and so i mm -hmm. knew how to do all that when mm -hmm. i went into a dual immersion kindergarten in south hayward my parents oh. didn't want to stay in south hayward because that uh, neighborhood evolved um, mm -hmm. and so we moved to san lorenzo Mm -hmm. And it was a completely different experience for me in the dual immersion. I felt very empowered. I felt very loved by my kindergarten teacher because I came in with skills. She would have me work with my peers. And so mm. it just became this really, it was this wonderful place for me. And then we moved mm -hmm. to San Lorenzo where I am probably one of very few Latinx kids and to boot, I'm also indigenous in appearance. So people didn't know what to make of me because I wasn't Mexican and I didn't mm -hmm. look Mexican. And so people were forever trying to figure out what I was. And so mm -hmm. it made it really difficult, but I have always loved school. You know, for me, learning is has always been a place like a safe haven. Mm -hmm. I had a really good like family structure and support with the immediate family, mm -hmm. but we were also the way station. So my home was often, you know, a place that was the first landing spot for folks coming in from Peru, because as cousins and aunts and, and different relatives came to this country, either legally or illegally, my family mm -hmm. was a place to stop. And so there was a lot mm -hmm. of chaos and upheaval at all times. So school was the safe haven, right? And mm -hmm. school was where I excelled and school was where I had support. I was really mm -hmm. lucky at Lorenzo Manor, which was my elementary school, to have a woman of color as our reading specialist. And mm. I look at her, her name was Silver White, and she was just phenomenal. She really pushed us. She gave us that rigor and she always, you know, treated all of us um, in just with dignity and respect. And I remember mm. running into her many years later when we used to go to the same gym and she hadn't changed at all. It was just, and she was just like, oh, I always knew we were gonna be a teacher. I'm so, I'm so proud. And oh, you know, that's lovely. I think of her all the time and how wonderful she was. Um, mm. And, you know, then, you know, we obviously transitioned over to San Lorenzo High. And as you know, Nicole, we had so many amazing teachers that for me, yeah. it was a no brainer that I would end up following in their footsteps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, Brianna, again, same neighborhoods yeah. as us coming through. Tell us um, tell us a little bit about your growing up and, and how school fit in. Um, so, growing up, uh, one of the biggest thing that has always kind of influenced me and who I am is uh, we, we were always very poor. Um, mm -hmm. So, I kind of like grew up, you know, I 
done the welfare, the food stamps, like all of that. Um, and so it was something I was always very, very aware of. Um, I grew up in Hayward uh, originally, mm -hmm. and then we moved to San... Well, technically, we never even moved to San Lorenzo. We were in unincorporated Hayward in the San Lorenzo School District. Um, and I mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. moved into the San Lorenzo schools my seventh grade year, even though I'd been living uh, there for like three years, but I finished out at my elementary school in Hayward. Uh, I went to Lorenzo Manor as a seventh grader for one year, and then I went to San Lorenzo mm -hmm. High School as an eighth grader. Um, mm -hmm. I was the last eighth grade class. Um, yeah, oh. so I was in the last eighth grade class at San Lorenzo. Um, so I was the youngest two years in a row as an eighth grader and then a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely a unique experience. I uh, love to yeah. tell my students all the time there because they're like, oh, you what middle school did you go to? I'm like, I didn't go to middle school. I went from elementary mm -hmm. school to high school. Um, so I'm like, I, I never experienced middle school, which I'm very thankful for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, and school was always just like, everything to me um I don't even know where like education wasn't really pushed in my family um mm -hmm. like it was it, like you know they liked that I had good grades but it wasn't anything that was ever like super celebrated or you have to get good grades um I yeah. imagine I learned about the valedictorian from tv it's the only thing mm. I can figure but at some point I decided I was going to be valedictorian um uh-huh on my, like, like I said, it has to have come from TV. Like, it has to have. <laughs> um, and I was just uh, very focused in school, like, to an unhealthy degree, possibly. Uh, Julie can probably mm -hmm. attest to this, that I, <laughs> I had crazy anxiety. Like, school was never hard. It was never an issue of, like, straight A's came easily to me until senior year when I Physics almost killed my GPA, and I still maintain. Mm. I'm I'm sure that's the only A I didn't earn. I think Dave Fryer took pity on me and did, didn't <laughs> want to be responsible for what would happen to me if I ended up with a B in that class. And I've asked him, and he said, "I don't think I did that." I'm like, "I think you did." Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I ended up straight as I did not end up getting valedictorian because eventually mm. I actually ended up prioritizing um, journalism uh, over mm. that and. I I had to make a decision I knew like my best friend was in the running and then um, another girl was in the running um, and I didn't take as many AP classes as them because I took newspaper instead um, and yeah. I still disagree with the way that our school handled that um, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, but yeah so ultimately I ended up graduating third in the class behind uh, my best friend and th uh, this other girl which is so amazing. I can't even like, oh. Um, Julie, were you on the newspaper too? Or were you in yearbook? I can't remember. I was the year yearbook copy editor. You were the year. Yeah, I was in journalism. And I remember like, was Julie there? No. So, um, it, you know, it's interesting how school brings kids. I think probably all of us have a similar experience where we were looking for somewhere to belong. We were looking where things were stable, where we were safe, where we could um, maybe big, dream bigger dreams. Although, Julie, it sounds like your mom was extraordinary. Um, Brianna and I had a similar experience where like, oh, as long as you get above a C, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, college, I was the first to college and, and there was never a, a conversation around like, you, you must get good grades and work hard, you know? And maybe some of that comes with the privilege of not, you know, my I'm, I'm third generation immigrant and I think something happens by the time you get to third generation where there's a privilege that exists that the hustle is not the same maybe I'm not sure um, but it's an interesting question about why school is so important to kids like us um, so Julie you uh, you were Brianna's English teacher yes. I assume somewhere along the way so tell me about your relationship as teacher and student and maybe some things you learned from one another um, Let's just start with that and see where it goes. Sure. So I met Brianna uh, the summer before she became a freshman at San Lorenzo High. She was a freshman in the summer program of Upward Bound, where I was an English oh. teacher. So I okay. was doing a side gig on the weekends and in the summers teaching English and creative writing at Upward Bound. And she stood out to me immediately. I just feel like we probably clicked from day one. I mean, she was the, she was articulate. She was outspoken. She was super enthusiastic about everything. Like she was the kid, like, you know, it's, you're, you've been, you know, you were a teacher for a long time, Nicole, and you know that there's those times when you're just like, am I, 
reaching anyone? Does anybody yes. get me? Yes. <laughs> Does anybody yes. understand any of the things that I'm trying to say? And with yeah. Brianna, she was that go-to student. Like she was the mm. one that was like, she was on. She was on it, whether it was talking about reading or doing a creative writing exercise. She was with me 100% of the time, or at least that was my perception, Brianna. Yeah, so definitely. she stood out to me immediately and we bonded immediately. So even though I was still teaching in Hayward Unified and, and then did a year in San Francisco, we kept in touch because of Upper Bound. And I remember oh. you had a project, I want to say, Brianna, maybe sophomore year, yeah. a career project. Yeah, career project. And for you career interviewed decisions. me for it because you were looking at, you know, being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so you How interviewed lovely. me for your, for your project. And so we just kind of kept that connection. And there was this running joke that we had with each other about when was I going to get over to San Lorenzo High and teach <laughs> there? Mm -hmm. And I was always like, no, you know, I'm, I'm committed elsewhere. And then lo and behold, I end up taking the position as the AP English teacher at San Lorenzo High. And so I was there during the senior year that Brianna was describing um, as their advanced placement literature teacher, which I had always said for me as an English teacher, that always felt to me like that's the apex, right? Like that's the apex yeah. uh, section mm -hmm. as an English teacher. But for me, it wasn't so much about the title. It was really about the content, you know? And that's mm -hmm. absolutely one of my favorite classes to teach. And I did a lot of things that I wanted you know, that I dreamt of doing, you know, that things that professors had done when I was an English major that I was mm -hmm. able to do with my students. So there was a lot mm -hmm. of freedom there. I think that's part of what it was. It was just that freedom to select the content and to select the work that we were doing. And it was mm -hmm. such a great experience. We did all these field trips to see plays, you know, outside of the area. Wow. And it was, it was wow. a really, we had a really strong class bond. Oh yeah. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe too strong. Cause I know <laughs> I was probably involved in the politics of the valedictorian selection. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna can probably attest to the fact that there were some ruffled feathers there because there was the perception that Miss Calderon had taken sides or Miss Calderon was <laughs> weighing in, but, um, you know, it, it was a great experience and Brianna, you know, our, our relationship never really stopped um and we stayed friends you know she went off to college and, and we remained friends um over the years and so it was kind of it, it made total sense to me that when she was getting her teaching credential that she mm -hmm. would somehow end up being one of my mentees and so i was very fortunate to serve as one of her mentor mm -hmm. teachers she came at that point i was already a, at arroyo Okay. After I'd had my daughter, I stepped away from administration and back mm -hmm. into the classroom. And so she mm -hmm. came over and she joined me yeah. as um, one of my student teachers. And she was phenomenal. I knew she would be. But I remember mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I can just now I can just retire because Rihanna <laughs> yeah. can come and take my classes and be a million times better than I ever was. And so it was really gratifying um, mm -hmm. to see her and to help her in her formation. She already had it. She'd been a substitute teacher for years. I want to say mm -hmm. you probably even subbed for me, Brianna, prior to being my student teacher. Mm -hmm. So it was so wonderful. And I think, um, you know, I've just have always admired your resilience, Brianna. You're so tenacious. And mm -hmm. so even when I struggle, I, I think of just, you know, what you've done and how you've lived your dream of you you told me at a very i think at 14 you told me i'm going to have your job at san lorenzo high yeah. someday mm. and so i think of that a lot yeah. god that's yeah. beautiful isn't there something too julie about seeing someone who you served go on to serve others in a way that's even better than you could have done it's like the most glorious gift Brianna mm -hmm. that you've given Julie yeah. in that way and I know you have a lot of strong feelings about the gifts that oh Julie my God. gave to yeah. you so to fill in some of the gaps um like it, it's insane how much like our lives are intertwined um in, in all of this so she talked about us meeting at Upward Bound and I just like completely fell in love with her I was like this, this is the best teacher ever like she encouraged me in my writing and I think what I loved is not all English teachers are necessarily as um creative writing minded like I had I always mm -hmm. had amazing English teachers but like Julie definitely has that creative um side and I mm -hmm. I actually ended up majoring in creative writing in college oh. um so oh. I've always loved that side of things and I loved getting that from her um and I think that's what mm -hmm. initially bonded us she helped me a lot with my writing um, um, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I was always bugging her. I'm like, okay, you need to come teach at San Lorenzo now. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. where you belong. Cause I knew that she went there too. I was like, you have to come back uh -huh. home. Um, so I was mm -hmm. so excited when she came back for my senior year and like, it, it was very good for me to have her there. Cause like I said, I really struggled that year. I, I, my depression was very bad that year. Um, cause I just, mm -hmm. I always had these 
unrealistic expectations for myself that nobody else had. Like, nobody expected yeah. me, like... I, I never had pressure from other people. It was always all coming from myself. Um, and Julie mm. helped me a lot through that. Like, it, it's okay mm. not to be perfect. Um, mm. and, and and at the same time, she still pushed me to be better. Um, and mm. I actually, uh, when I think of myself as a teacher, the way I handle kind of like the superstar students is because of the way mm. she handled me. She could have let me coast. I, I was a very good English student, obviously. That's why I went into English. And she totally could have let me coast, but she never did. She always pushed me. And she knew that, like, my goal was I needed that nine. I needed that nine on an essay. And I was getting so frustrated I wasn't getting it. And she just kept giving me feedback and telling me, you know, you need to work on this. Um, and I was the first person in the class to get a nine. Uh, my best my best friend was second. Um, and so, like, I think about that all the time, how... Um, um, you know, I have, I, you know, you always have those superstar students in your class that they turn in an essay mm -hmm. and you know it's an A. Um, and it'd be really mm -hmm. easy to just give them the A and move on. But I always try to find something, even if it's objectively a perfect essay. I try to find something and look, mm -hmm. look, this is an A. You really don't need to change anything about it. But if you want to push yourself to be a better writer, you can try doing this. Um, and so I like, I always try to give some sort of feedback, but I, and I let them know, like, I'm giving you this to help you be better. Um, mm -hmm. but you don't have to do it. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. if you're like, I'm good, I'm cool <laughs> with how I am. You don't have to do it, mm -hmm. but I'm just mm -hmm. giving you information that can make you a better writer. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I've learned how to teach students like me from Julie more mm -hmm. than anyone. A lot of my other teachers as well, but Julie, especially, um, mm -hmm. And then let's see. So yeah, I went to college. We stayed in touch. Um, she actually gave me a place to live for a little bit. Wow. I have a very rough relationship with my mom and sister and I came home and I was like, yeah, I really liked not being here for four years and I'd like to not be here again. Yeah. Um, but yes. I couldn't afford to get a place on my own um, straight out of college. Um, so Julie, I lived with her for almost a year, I want to say. Um, mm -hmm. And I was, you know, she, you know, I paid her a disgustingly low amount of rent um, and uh, was able to save up money. So I was able to move out on my own. Um, and that was such a fun time. It was so fun living with her. Um, and that, that's like definitely when uh, we were always friends, but that like really cemented like, okay, she's not just my uh, teacher. She's not just my mentor. Like she is my friend. Um, and then she actually gave me, um, my first real teaching job. Actually, I was subbing in the San Lorenzo district and one mm -hmm. of the teachers was moving on to the district office. And so they needed a long-term sub and Julie was the one who recommended me for the job. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I want to say probably two years after I'd graduated from college. I'd been subbing for like a year. Um, and then uh, this job opened up and she recommended me for it and I got hired. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up actually becoming, um, it was a part-time position um, mm -hmm. for the first semester. And then they were like, okay, next mm -hmm. semester we actually need full-time. Are you willing to do that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, absolutely. And so I ended up doing second semester full-time while I was still working um, full-time at a restaurant. Uh, so mm -hmm. that was kind of like, there's been several moments in my life where I was like, this is what I want to do. But daring mm -hmm. that job is when I really realized it because I went to take a day off from my restaurant for my birthday in April. And mm -hmm. I realized that that was going to be my first day off since the beginning of the year. Um, wow. I, w I had been working at least one of my jobs every day yes. for four months. Yes, and I yes. didn't realize it until that moment because I was so happy. Oh my like, God. I was, amazing? I was, I loved teaching so much. It was, I was, I was not good. Like, I mean, I was good in some sense, but I look back now and I was like, wow, I had like no boundaries with, because I, I was yeah. like, I was like 24 <laughs> years old teaching, yeah. like, you know? And so I was like, I'm yeah. like, I, I did not have any boundaries with my students that I really mm -hmm. should have had, mm -hmm. but it was just so fun and so wonderful mm -hmm. and like I, I I just I was like I can't believe I've been working non-stop and I like didn't even realize it because it was just so I could not do that now by the way no. <laughs> like this yeah. is you know 24 year old me was able to handle that but it was just and that's when I realized I'm like okay like this is definitely what I want to do like I need to I need to 
mm-hmm. stop fooling around. I need to get myself into grad school, get my teaching credential, because um, I always knew I wanted my master's. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of stopped fooling around and got that done. And Julie was someone who pushed me, and then uh, Carlos Cabana. Every oh, every yes. time, because the next year I was subbing again, every time he saw mm-hmm. me. So have you gone... You, like what's going on with school are you going back to school yeah. like when, when yeah. are you going to stop yeah. subbing and actually do this for real <laughs> I was like I know I know I know <laughs> I know we're going to meet Carlos next oh, season <laughs> um, he's just an extraordinary human you know it's funny because um, we I, I we've known each other a long uh-huh. time and I, there's a lot we have in common I started as a long term sub I was 21 mind you <laughs> Jerry Glenn hired me what the hell I don't know oh, um, Mr. Glenn. and Mr. Glenn. And, uh, and, uh, I was working a restaurant job at night at the same time. I was not as joyful as you. I was dragging. Um, but, uh, but I, I think it's an interesting thing that in our families, at least in mine, academics wasn't prized, but your work ethic was right. Get out, make your money, get your hustle on, you know, get through your business. And there's something about that, um, that I think is important. And I wonder, and maybe that's part of what makes San Lorenzo kids special is that, I don't know, I think there's a million reasons San Lorenzo <laughs> kids are special. Um, but th- there's something about just, the, uh, and I think you mentioned Carlos, the ethic of care that the teachers had. It was like, we work at this. This isn't like natural, I'm gonna wait for the feeling to come, right? We're gonna work because we have an ethic of care. We're gonna work to love our kids, even the ones that like we wish were absent, right? <laughs> You're just yeah. always it's, here, aren't you? <laughs> always, God. Um, that's great. Okay, so thinking back just to your individual careers, um, I wonder if, if there's a, a moment, because I think these these kids, like these ones that are never absent, that are so hard, that there are teachers, right? They're there to teach us something that we need to learn. And I remember I was very conflict averse when I started teaching. And of course, I got every kid who wanted to be in a fight <laughs> because I had to learn how to deal with that. Um, and and so I, I, I wonder if you look back and you think about, was there a family member or a student or maybe both who really gave you pause and, and, and you look back and appreciate them even though they were hard because they taught you something important. Brianna, let's start with you. So my story is a little bit of a downer, um, but okay. it was still That's a right. really valuable lesson for me to learn because um, mm-hmm. so probably unlike every teacher currently teaching in existence, Last year was not my hardest year of teaching. This year is not my hardest year of teaching. The year prior to the pandemic was my hardest year of teaching. Um, And I literally, like, came home one day and started, like, just sitting there and brainstorming, what else can I do with my life? Because I can't teach anymore. Um, It was a really hard year. Uh, Julie knows a little bit about it. I talked to her a little bit about it. Um, I had just kind of a powder keg class of Mm. just, I I literally had three fights break out in my classroom that year. And Mm. anybody who knows me knows that like classroom management never been an issue for me. Um, It's one of the Mm -hmm. things that both Julie and uh, Vandana Macher, who is my other uh, mentor teacher when I was student teaching, Mm -hmm. was like, you, you have classroom management down. Like it's, and, Mm -hmm. and it's just never been a thing. And I literally had like fights breaking out. I'm like, there's nothing I can do to stop this. Like, I cannot mm-hmm. de-escalate these children. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just, it was a very tough year. Um, I could not bond with them. Like, I tried so hard to, like, create relationships with these students. And it just, it, it like, what I could do it, like, on an individual level a little bit. But it's like when they were all, t- it, it was, it was a hard class. Um, mm. And I had one student in particular that I actually started making some leeway, leeway with. Um, his mm-hmm. counselor. He had given his counselor permission for her to tell me a little bit about his background. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized that he and I had a lot in common. He and I grew up in very similar life situations. Uh, he was an African-American mm-hmm. male and I was a white woman. And I'm sure he felt like, oh, we have nothing in common. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, one day one day I just kind of sat 
down with him. I'm like, look, you know, your, your counselor kind of told me this. I'm like, I just want to tell you a little bit about how I grew up. And I, I, I told mm-hmm. him some stories and we start, we started to kind of on, he like started cutting his, uh, his class, the period I had prep and like coming to hang out with me. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, wow. I can't harbor fugitives. You need to go back to class. Yeah. But it was, you know, we really started creating a bond and things were better. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. And then one day yeah. we had a lockdown. Um, mm-hmm. and my principal, uh, I don't know what happened if she was out of breath or what, but she sounded very scared on the announcement with the lockdown. And then I had, um, a, a child in my class, they started having a panic attack. Uh, so I, yeah. I took them into my office and was like trying to calm them down. Uh, and, and they were, they were just like very anxious and all of this. Um, and then this other student who I'd been working with was being a, jackass um just like making Mm. jokes and like you know Mm. the school's gonna get shot up blah 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 and I was like you need to stop I'm like there are people in Mm -hmm. this room who are scared and you cannot Mm -hmm. act like this and he just Mm -hmm. lost it on me like you dumb bitch blah 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 why do you always have something to say and I was just like I had to make a choice in that moment um we'd already gotten Mm -hmm. an email saying that there was no danger anymore but we were still on lockdown I literally opened the Mm -hmm. door called a security guard and kicked this student out of my class during a lockdown. Mm. Um, and I was like, but I had to make a choice. Like I like this, this other student and and I felt awful. I was like, I kicked a student out during a lockdown. Like what is wrong Mm -hmm. with me? And I, I Mm -hmm. felt, I felt terrible. I wanted to fix things. Um, and then his parent asked for him to be moved out of my class. And normally Mm. I would have fought it especially because mm-hmm. I'd made so much progress with him. Normally I would have fought it, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I'm not the one, maybe I'm not the one who mm-hmm. can reach this kid. Maybe this is just, isn't, isn't going to be me. And, and that's okay. I, I still cared about mm-hmm. him. I checked in on him. I, you know, would talk to his other teacher, like, how's he doing? But I was like, the, I'm like, I, I just can't be the one. Like I, I made a decision. I st- stand by the mm-hmm. decision even though I felt bad about it and it kind of just mm-hmm. broke I was like I'm not going to be able to repair this and I need to just let mm-hmm. it go and hope he does well uh two things mm-hmm. helped me kind of come to terms with it that the decision I made was okay uh one was talking mm-hmm. to my other colleagues um and they were like mm-hmm. you had to do what you had to do and the other was this student they came back to me um like the next year uh and they were like I just wanted to thank you for you know, helping me like during that time, yeah. um, they'd had a nightmare the night before about a school shooting. And yeah. so like, yeah. I mean, it, and they, they were just like, you know, you, you were so caring to me and you like just made me feel so safe. And, and I was like, okay, I'm like, I, I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. I did what I had to do. Um, and it basically, it, mm-hmm. it taught me that while I want to help every single student, there are going mm-hmm. to be times that I can't and it doesn't make mm-hmm. me a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad teacher. It's okay. Like I try my very best mm-hmm. for as long as I can, and then I just can't mm-hmm. anymore. And that that's okay. That's really, really powerful. And you know, his blowing up like that was his own mm-hmm. pain, yeah. right? You yeah. know, that has nothing yeah. to do with you. And that's your ability to not personalize that um, is so healthy. And also I think a sign of extraordinary love for mm-hmm. him in that you held a boundary that needed to be held, not only for you and for that other child, but for this boy, he needed that boundary. And, and, you know, the hope is down the road that serves him in some way, even though it was so difficult for you. That's, that's a really powerful lesson. Julie, uh, what, what, what are, what, what, where are you with this whole thing? Where, where have you kind of jumped in somewhere and felt totally jarred, but left, really having an important lesson. So I made the transition from teacher, which I loved to do, um, mm-hmm. into administration, you know, at the kind of the encouragement of, of my mentors. And mm-hmm. there are times when I, I second guess it and I and I wonder like, you know, did I make the right choice? Are there any mm-hmm. openings at San Lorenzo High? Ask Brianna last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I can relate to really struggling with some students like there have been over the years as a teacher there were students I just could never gel with I remember when I was a Buente teacher in Hayward which you know in a lot of ways was a dream job in in and of its own right there was one student in particular yeah we were both Latinx yes we had similar family backgrounds and yet we never clicked ever Mm. like in his journal he would write about 
she's so arrogant and I can't stand her. And, you know, Miss Caldron wow. thinks she knows it all. And I, I remember thinking, what am I doing wrong that I'm not reaching this kid? Like we're reading all this content and we're doing all these activities that you would think would help us connect. And we're supposed yeah. to build community. And with him, he always held me at arm's length. And, you know, then you read these journal entries and they're about you and how awful you are. And at that time I was super young, you know, I would have been like what, 24, 25 at that time. And oh, gosh, at that point in time, I don't think I couldn't help but personalize it. And, sure. and then unfortunately, then I would just be really cold to him. And so then it would be, mm. and she's doesn't even try to reach out to me. So that happened over the years, you know, as an English teacher, uh, there was a valedictorian that is after you, Brianna, that same thing. I couldn't click with him. He was in my AP class and it was the same kind of feedback. And I remember thinking, okay, I don't consider myself um, to be this awful, but yet I keep getting this feedback, particularly from males that I'm a know-it-all and that I have favorites. And, you know, that kind of always haunted me so that when I became a principal and, and then ended up going in a completely different direction away from, you know, the, the superstar students and the AP kids all the way over to alternative education where, where now I'm a continuation high school principal. I think that feedback actually stayed with me and that I've always made that effort to be humble and, and to be open to constructive criticism from students and, and to really try to love the kids that are trying to be unlovable. So that really what you said, Nicole, about that student's pain, that's what it is, right? These young men were probably responding maybe to how they saw maybe the women in their lives treated or maybe their relationship with their mothers or women in their lives. Who knows? It's hard to say because I, I didn't have that kind of relationship with these boys. But I think that that feedback that they gave me stayed with me. Right. Because I couldn't approach being a, an alt ed principal in the same way that I used to approach being a creative writing teacher or an English teacher or an AP teacher. It's just or even in a comprehensive high school AP. It's a completely mm -hmm. different world, um, especially with alt ed kids who often um, feel very disengaged, disempowered, disillusioned, demoralized mm -hmm. by education as a whole. You know, mm -hmm. this is really a place where they, they need some serious healing um, mm. around, you know, the academic world and so much of school has been traumatic for them so mm -hmm. it is my job to to kind of re-engage right and reconnect mm -hmm. and kind of give them a completely different experience where where that ethic of care is in place because i think they mm -hmm. would say and their parents would say that hasn't been the case and that's often what mm -hmm. i hear from families is you know these schools are giving us the runaround this district is horrible this is our last resort mm -hmm. and so then kind of helping those families and those students understand you know that uh this is a place this is going to be a safe place and mm -hmm. yes you know maybe maybe academics isn't going to be your safe haven like it was for me but mm -hmm. at the very least we're going to get through it so that you can get on to the rest of your life mm -hmm. so yeah some of that harsh feedback that i got from those students that i did personalize it stayed with me mm -hmm. and i feel like it really helped me become a better educator and ultimately a better mm -hmm. principal well, it's fascinating because you did personalize it, but in a way that served you to be able to serve others. You didn't personalize it and then blame them, right? You 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 held it for maybe a little too long um, on your heart, and and I don't know too if some of that was kind of the reflection of. Um, some unhealed stuff, you know, t to me, t we all become teachers for a variety of reasons, but we're all invited to heal some, some wounds that we're carrying. And uh, I, I've got this whole kind of philosophy about the spiritual aspect of teaching, but, t you know, I would imagine you probably face that growing up. Who do you think you are? You think you know more than others, like all of that. I would imagine that that was part of your growing up. And to be back as a teacher serving kids and to hear it again, it's like that probably just got your soft spot so intensely. No, that's really that's really interesting because I talk about that with my family members all the time because that's mm -hmm. definitely like while my parents were very supportive, my extended family to this day is very like, who is this alien that lives among us? Right? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they so right. don't get me, right? They right. think it's, oh, that's cool that she's a, you know, a teacher and she was a teacher. Now she's a principal. Yeah. But, you know, now it's, now I'm even more of an alien. And they're like, how yes. did she get dropped yes. into, into this family? And where did she come right. from? Right. So, and you went to Cal, right? I did. You went to Cal? Yes. I, I mean, that's an extraordinary <laughs> thing. I, I remember extended family of mine, like calling me college girl in like a snide 
tone, right? Yes. And, 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 and here you are back serving kids and thinking, because we all try to teach our kids like they're us at first, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. In, in your early years, like, oh, I just want to do creative projects all day, every day. And they're looking at you like, lady. <laughs> Yes. And and so, you know, you're thinking that you're inspiring them with academics and you're, you know, you're and, and, because that's what served you. And then you realize, oh, there's some unhealed stuff here that I have to I have to work out. Yeah, it's 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 a really it's a beautiful thing what you described, though, because when you think of yourself as an educator, what a well-rounded, multifaceted educator you've become. Um, it, and I, I think that's, I think that's so inspiring. Um, tell me how teaching has strengthened other parts of your life. Julie, let's start with you. I would imagine it strengthened your ability to be a parent. Cause I know your daughter is extraordinarily important to you and you take that parenting, the mothering very, very seriously. Um, would you say that it strengthened your parenting and, and maybe anything else in, in your life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think being a, a teacher and an administrator, a principal, for one, my daughter says she's never going to be a school principal because she doesn't hear all the war stories day in and day out. But yes. um, I think one of the things I think I said when I was preparing for for guesting with you, Nicole, was that I was I was mothering these kids well before I was somebody's biological mother. You know, I've loved mm. my students and called them my kids until mm. I had my own. And, and they're still my kids, but it, it is a very different relationship now. But I do mm -hmm. think that the conversations I've had with my students over the years, both as a teacher and as a principal, have definitely uh, had an impact on how I relate to my daughter. She and I are very close and mm -hmm. I have seen what the parent relationship has done to students. And so I'm very conscious of, of the role that I play in her life, particularly now that she is a teenager and will be transitioning to high school. Oh my God. You know, it's such a crucial <laughs> relationship. And I always say, parents, I want to teach, like, let's do a parenting class and let's talk yeah. about being a parent because I'm one as well. And, and that's, you know, I, something I, I lean on with parents sometimes when they're a little defensive is, hey, I'm a parent too and I have a teen too. And then you kind of see them like relax, like, okay, yes. she does get it. You know? <laughs> I've had yes. these conversations with my child. So um, for sure, it's helped my parenting. I feel like even though I took a very long hiatus from my writing, uh, I recently returned in the last, actually during the pandemic, I returned to fiction writing. And wow. uh, the, the work that I did as an English teacher and then obviously the stress that I've endured as an administrator, yeah. I think has really motivated me to get back into my fiction writing. So, so oh, that's, that's, I think amazing. it's helped me there as well. I mean, I think when you're a teacher, you see the world through just so many lenses eventually. I think not at first, Nicole, you're right. I think we kind of see through our own kind of tunnel vision at first, through our yeah, own yeah. lens of experience. But then yeah. as you go on and you get to know your students and their families and their lives and their experiences, mm -hmm. your, your world kind of broadens. And so I think that that definitely has helped um, my writing. I feel like I'm, I'm coming into this a lot wiser um, mm -hmm. with a, you know, kind of a broader lens to look at the world mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Brianna, what about you? How has teaching strengthened other parts of so, your life? So I was trying to think about this question, um, and mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure if what I have here is an answer, <laughs> um, but I, I guess I'll say that, like, teaching keeps me sane. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what I really learned during the pandemic, and it, it's, it's interesting to me. So I, like I said, I talked about that really awful year I had, and then the next year I was gifted the most glorious children ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had sixth period, bad a freshman, which you would oh, think geez. would be... <laughs> Those three things right there put together. You would think, like, like when, when I freshman. saw that that's what I was going to be teaching, I was like, oh, good God. I'm like, this is uh, this yeah. is going to be it. <laughs> like, last, last yeah. year, like, kicked me and punished me, and, and this year is just going to make... They were glorious. They mm. are probably, I, I don't know if I can say the best class I've ever had because I did have one other class, but like top two best classes I've ever had. Mm -hmm. They were, mm -hmm. they were just so engaged and fun mm -hmm. and like 
did their work and, and it was it was just mm-hmm. such a great group of kids and then the pandemic happened and they were stolen from me and I was really upset mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so I really struggled with the spring where it was just like I wasn't a teacher at all like the spring was a complete joke I was having zoom meetings that five kids were coming to and then we would just mm-hmm. like chat and I'd mostly just like check in with them and see if they were doing like nothing curriculum based like it was it was just bad mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. then Last year was better than that, but it was still like, I'm like, I'm, this is not teaching. Like, I'm not really building Mm -hmm. relationships. Um, I, I did actually, again, I had a sixth period, bad a freshman class, um, that I did manage to build a couple of relationships with those students. Like they, they all come and say, I'm really upset. None of them ended up in my sophomore class. None of them. Mm. I'm like, really? I got Mm. none of you. Um, but they come (laughs) and say hi to me. And like, so I was able to, but that they were very rare. Like they were special. Mm -hmm. And I just, last year was really hard for me like really really Mm -hmm. hard like mentally and so I don't say it was my worst year of teaching because it's like I don't count it it was bad because it wasn't teaching um and Mm -hmm. I like this is something I've kind of always known about myself um I've learned it from Mm -hmm. the summers around beginning of August I'm ready to go back to school like, I, mm. I love my time off. Like, it's nice to, like, be lazy. It's nice to be able to travel and things like that. But eventually, I'm like, I, I need my routine back. I need my kids back. I need I need to be back in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so 17 mm-hmm. months of not mm-hmm. being in the classroom almost killed me. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. I say that as barely an exaggeration. Um, right, like, right, it was right. just, I was like, I have to teach so it's it's Mm -hmm. interesting to me that this all happened like if there was ever any doubt about like I'm like no no no, I have to teach I have to like I I need it and so teaching kind of I was looking for anything I could find to give me my teaching Mm -hmm. fix and I actually ended up like over the course of the pandemic um kind of getting into this gaming group. Um, so I have um, like friends that I've made online who stream video games and I like, they asked me to be a moderator for their stream. And oh, yeah, fun. so like I, you know, I sit there and mostly I like don't really do much. I'm just chatting and things like that. But if like people like step out of line, I like give them warnings and I was like, it's teaching. <laughs> I'm, like, and I told my friend who I mod for, I'm like, you're like giving me my teaching fix during this. And so like wow. that was actually yeah. something that helped keep me sane because I was like it's giving me a little bit of it um and so it's just basically it, it's it's strengthened like my ability my ability to know who I am um yeah. and and I do yeah. know eventually yeah. I would also like to have children and I know it'll make me a better parent um maybe mm-hmm. not at first because I mostly just know teenagers but I'm, I'm gonna be good at, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, gonna be good at parenting a teenager they're probably mm-hmm. gonna confuse me a lot when they're younger but <laughs> no you know what toddlers are just teenagers that don't know how to talk right they're the same it's the same yeah it's the same um I I think you'd be a, an extraordinary parent Brianna and, and you know what what I'm hearing you say is that teaching brings you home to yourself yes. and uh, it's interesting because like Monique will say Monique Coffrin who we mm-hmm. both know who we're gonna have or we all know um she talks about how the kids give her energy. Yeah. You know, that she she can come in low and by the end of the day, she's charged up. Where I had the opposite, we worked across the hall from each other. And I was like her cheerleader in the morning and she was my cheerleader in the afternoon because after a day with the kids, I'm like, I just need a nap. I just, <laughs> my introvert self cannot handle any more stimulation. But for you, it, it, it feeds your yeah. soul. And I think... It's like giving you your life in in a really beautiful way. Um, Almost, almost. I think that's lovely. So um, there's this Indigo Girl song called Hammer and a Nail. I don't know if you guys know it, but there's a line in it that says, if you have a care in the world, you have a gift to give. And I think about teaching as a microcosm of our society and how part of the reasons I believe that our society has broken down is that we've stopped coming to the collective table with our unique gift um, that I kind of see as a puzzle piece, right? And we all have to come to this table. We all have to be brave enough to put our puzzle piece down. And only then are we gonna see the pieces come together and us start to bind 
as humans that we belong to one another. And, and I, I see that happening in teaching as well. We're all so tired and so burnt out. It's like the system is designed to break us from being able to show up with our gift. And so one of the intentions of this podcast is to really support people in thinking like, what is my gift and what am I bringing? Because like you said, Brianna, about the, the boy that you couldn't reach, we can't get all kids, right? We can't do all things. I'm never going to be like the activities director, even though I was in leadership and all that stuff. Like that's, that doesn't, my, my body is not wired for that kind of a person, you know? So I need to think about my gifts and really lean in and, and, and nourish those. So I want people to be thinking about that. And, and so with that as kind of the backdrop, I'm wondering, Julie, if you can share with us, what's your read on what your gift is? What do you care so much about that it really is your gift in this world? So I, I've kind of shared a little bit that I'm a, in, in a lot of ways a reluctant principal. And I don't think I'm a reluctant principal because I don't like being a principal. I think it's because truly I'm, I feel very, very much like a, an introvert and I'm, I'm pretty introspective. And I mm -hmm. think that the principal job, like the activities director job, often calls for people to be really out there and extroverted. And that's not mm -hmm. in my wiring. But what mm -hmm. is in my wiring is the ability to kind of model, mm. both for my students and my staff, the mm -hmm. importance of of really taking care of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think I've been a model of, of being reflective, of self-care. Mm -hmm. And and this is something like I walk my talk, right? So people mm -hmm. are very aware of where I'm at with, you know, my creative pursuits. My life as a mom always takes precedence. So my staff feels very supported. Like they know they can come to me and say, you know, my kid needs to get to the dentist. Is it okay? I know it's last minute. And they know I'm always going to say, of course, right? Because yeah. I take care of my staff the way that I would have take, taken care of my students. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that's a, a really important piece. I think it's a piece that's often lost with mm. principals. Um, mm -hmm. I think so many of them, like teachers, are completely burned out. The turnover is crazy, especially now with principals. And I think it's an important thing to teach our students, right? Like um, we're going to be doing our second annual wellness retreat with our students. That's the way we kick off January now is we focus on on the self because I don't think you can you can't attend to the business of going to school, whether it's going to school, teaching school, leading school, if you don't attend to yourself. Oh my God, that's so true. That's so true. And I've long admired about you. Like, no, I, uh, like with your running, uh, I, I carve out this time and I run. I carve out this time and I, I'm attentive to my child. I carve out this time. You're always, and, and I don't know if it's a little bit like a duck, you know, where it looks like they're chill, but their feet underneath, they're going crazy. I don't know if that's what that is for you, but something I've always respected about you, Julie, is that you just are so intentional and whoever is in front of you has their has your full attention and um i i think that's such a beautiful thing as in a leader especially we don't have to be um the fancy um cheerleader leaders right we can like you said lead by example right and and lead by um having humanity with one another i remember when i got pregnant Cheryl Camber, I was talking with Cheryl Camber, who was our principal at that point. I don't know how I'm going to be a teacher and be a mother at the same time, blah, blah, blah. And she said, Nicole, you'll go home at 315 every day for the next three years, and that's okay. And I just thought that changed everything for me. And, and it sounds like you've got a similar vibe in that way. Maybe it's something about women as leaders. Yes. I don't know. There's something to explore there. Um, Brianna, what would you say is your gift that you bring? So um, I like I feel like every teacher that you're going to talk to because you're pulling from San Lorenzo and San Lorenzo is so very, very <laughs> special. It's definitely going to talk about like just loving the children. And so I was like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to say that because like that's just all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. my thing is I am disgustingly organized. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah? like, it's my thing. It's what I'm known for. I remember one time um, I was like unofficially mentoring um, a teacher who joined us um, 
and uh, I, he, you know, he and I would talk all the time, um, and he was in my classroom, uh, and I was, like, doing some, like, folders or something like that, and he's like, you're really organized. I'm like, oh, you have no idea, and I had, yeah. I had some students in the room at the time, um, and they, they weren't listening to our conversation. I turned to talk to them. I'm like, hey, guys, if you had to say one thing about me that makes me, like, really different from other teachers, like, that you're like, wow, that's just Miss Chris, what would it be? They're like, oh, my God, you're so organized. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he started laughing. I'm like, no, it's me. Like, I just have folders and systems and things like that. So something I try really hard with my students is I'm like, I know you're not. I'm like, I don't expect you guys to be me. I'm like a little insane. Um, I'm like, but mm -hmm. being organized will help you so much. Like, even if yes. you can just get slightly more organized than you were, I'm like, it makes your life mm -hmm. so much easier. Um, and so it's something I push a lot in my classrooms like that. I, you know, I do binder checks and I, um, when we had planners, like I would do planner checks and I, I just like, mm -hmm. I'm constantly kind of pushing them like to try to be a little bit more organized. Cause it's like when your life is mm -hmm. organized, even like when things you can organize to organize, it makes the chaos around you just feel a little bit better. And I know that's not going to mm -hmm. vibe with all students. Like some students are like, I don't care. Um, but for right. other students, uh, I've managed to help get more organized. They're like, this does feel a lot better. Um, so I think that's kind of like my my insane gift that I, t I give it to my students. I know my colleagues uh, appreciate it as well, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that they, they know that they can, you know, count on me to, oh, like we need the calendar done. And I'm like, OK, I'll have that done. I'm like, Let, yeah. let's plan yeah. out the rest of the year. <laughs> like, yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's it's also Great. it's a bad thing because I'm not very flexible and it's something mm -hmm. that I've been working on. Um, so it's like it's definitely a double edged sword. But looking on the positive side, yeah. Always, always. <laughs> our greatest gift is always our greatest mm -hmm. challenge. I mean, there's always like a, something like the light and the shadow, right? There's always something like that. I think that's a fantastic. And I love how practical that is, Brianna, that you know yourself like I'm your girl. You want a calendar? I'm it. And <laughs> that it gives you joy. Because sometimes we're good at things that don't give us joy, mm -hmm. right? And there's, there's something about the magic of being really good at it and really loving it. <laughs> and that's, maybe that's like the magic sauce. That's really when it's yeah. a gift. I love that. Um, do you all, either, either of you have a favorite song to when you think about getting ready for a great day of teaching that you like to play? Lovely Day by Bill Withers. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I love that song. song. Yes. That's a great song. What about you, um, I was thinking about it. I don't listen to a lot of music anymore. I mostly listen to audiobooks when I drive. Mm. Um, but mm -hmm. if I had to, when I do listen to music, I listen to musicals. Um, and I uh -huh. am very basic. So <laughs> Hamilton is my favorite musical. Nice. Uh, oh, yeah. no, that's not basic <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but no, totally my shot. Yes, like, I love yeah. that. Uh, not not technically my that. favorite song from Hamilton, Burn is, but I would never subject uh -huh. my students to me after listening to Burn. <laughs> oh my God, I know, so, I know. That and um, It's Quiet Uptown. Oh Every time that song, I'm like, <laughs> okay, guys, we're just right, going right. to cry today. <laughs> okay, so we call this podcast Copy Room Conversations because in my experience, the best conversations I had at school were in the copy room. And so um, I, there's something so fun to me about uh, the morning, like before school, as long as you're not super stressed out, like I forgot to run this five page packet, like that's the worst. But when, That would never happen when, to oh, me. You know, no, that would never happen to you. It happened to me a lot. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're in the copy room and somebody's punching holes and somebody's running the machine and, you know, we're all kind of getting ready to go off to our day. That, that's to me such a, like, that's my favorite part of, of the day. Um, what, what would you all say as, as you exit the copy room, practical or theoretical, you know, lighter or serious, um, what would you say to us to help us have a great day? Julie, let's start with you. I think I would probably tell people to take some time to take a deep breath at some point. That's important mm. to me. I need it. So mm -hmm. yeah, don't forget to take a deep breath at some point in the day. Mm -hmm. God, amen. Brianna? Um, I just tell people, just be yourself today. 
Mm. I think that's one mm-hmm. of the things that, like, I, like, students can smell fake a mile away and they don't like it. Totally. They don't totally. like it. And so, like, I'm just, I'm very, I tell them I'm a more PG-13 version of me with them. Um, <laughs> much less swearing, much less dirty jokes. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> but, I, I, but I tell them, because they, you know, they ask me, their favorite thing is Miss when I call them on their swearing. And they're like, Miss Chris, do you swear? I'm like, never. <laughs> I never say bad words ever. And then I tell them, like, no, I swear all the time. I just know how to code switch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that's yeah, why I tell them, like, yeah. you guys, the me I am with you, it, it's who I am. I just swear less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. That's lovely. And that's, I'm sure, where the bulk of your success is, Brianna, is that your authenticity is palpable. And that's that's an incredible gift that you bring. Thank you both so much for this hour. I'm so grateful that you came on. Um, it's just, it's my very favorite thing to talk to people I love and respect. So thank you for being here. And I, I just wish you a really, really lovely new year. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Nicole. Yes. Thank you for sharing your precious time with us. My hope is it gave you some respite from your worries and some time to remember that we belong to one another and that there's no such thing as other people's children. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. These three things make a big difference in our ability to connect teachers to one another in service to each other and our kids. We also want to thank Dirt Path Publishing for partnering with us on this podcast. The mission of Dirt Path is to publish work for social good. They are proud to include copy room conversations under that banner. For more information on coaching and editing services, or if you have a book you want to publish that you know will serve the greater good, visit dirtpathpublishing.com.